This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your tablet, smartphone, and desktop. Support the show and get a free audiobook of your choice by visiting audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow Standard Orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take us in. Hi, sir. Is the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends, and thanks for joining us here in Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show to the original series. My name is Drew or Landru, and this is my co-host Mike from Commentary Trek Stars. Hey, what's up? Nothing much, nothing much. This, my friends, is episode 108. Like, we're on the on the precipice. It's the pen penultimate episode. Yeah, this is our uh our, our Star Trek 6, right? Because then 109 would be our Star Trek 09 and 110 would be our Star Trek Into Darkness. Yeah. So this is our Star Trek 6. Yeah. That's that's pretty cool. Uh, we're not going to talk about Star Trek 6, though. It no. might come up. Maybe. I'm sure it will. I don't know why, but I think I'm sure Star, it will. Star Trek 4 is probably more likely to come up. Yes. Uh, spoilers for a few seconds from now when I say we're going to do a commentary on City on the Edge of Forever. Mike, this was your choice, and uh, you could tell us why, because uh, we're going to have like 50 minutes to talk about it over the episode. Yeah. Yes. So, But here it is, the last commentary for Standard Orbit 1.0. So, Mike, what do they, the listeners need to do? Well, you need to find a copy of City on the Edge of Forever. You can watch it on... Uh, Netflix if you want, or you could watch it on uh, Amazon Prime, which I believe has the original effects, right? You could you could choose which stream. Yeah, so choose the original effects on Amazon Prime or on your Blu-ray, and uh, you, could, you could also watch it with the, the I almost said the fake effects. <laughs> oh, secrets <laughs> with revealed. With the new effects. I'm sorry, that was a, a little bit of a slip there. And <laughs> um, yeah, because it'll work with either one because it, it all syncs up. So um, so yeah, whenever you're ready. I'm ready. Okay, we have it paused at zero on the counter and we will start it up in three, two, one, start. Excellent. I'm okay. watching the remastered. I'm watching the original. Oh, I'm just too lazy to grab my Blu-rays. <laughs> All right. So, um, I like how this episode starts. With weaving and bobbing. Structurally, I think it's very cool what they do here because it's like, ooh, we're, you know, we're, we're all being turbulent and stuff and things are going crazy and Scotty's holding on to that thing really awkwardly so that you can't <laughs> see his hand <laughs> and you know okay so so everything is you know bouncing around and everything like that and it's like what's going on this is they're having trouble with orbit and oh my god the con- the console blew up and now sulu is down and it's like whoa whoa all oh, this is crazy what's going on here what's going on here and then and, and it is say, saying, like, ripples through time and stuff like that. So it does tie into what's going on down there. But the point is, it's like, there's craziness going on. And then through, you know, that freak accident with Sulu, that's when Bones comes up. And then the turbulence causes Bones to inject himself. And now the issue is, like, you've got a crazy Bones running around, right? Crazy bones, and it's like, well, that's what the 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 plot is. Okay, we're gonna go after crazy bones, and while that is also true, right? And then you get down to this planet, and it's like, whoa, whoa, there's a weird time thing, and then they go chasing crazy bones through the time thing, right? And now all of a sudden, it becomes like a love story about like a woman who is like going to change the world for the better and in the process um man in the high castle this place i can make that reference because that just came out like last week (laughs) and you know so so that's what the the main story is right but it like goes through like a million different like dramatic sort of like turns 
in order to get there. And we started off with like there being a lot of turbulence, right? Right. I, that's that's just super cool. <laughs> and I know that they spent like, you know, six months or a year or whatever it was writing this thing. But just the fact that, you know, this is what they got to, I think it's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's a lot better than, I mean, we talked about it on this show. The Harlan Ellison, you know, opens with two random crew members. One of them gets super high and freaks out. And... Yeah. It's like a drug deal kind of thing. Yeah. It's just not the same. I love how this episode turned out. And I, I'm pretty sure I pulled no punches in that Harlan episode that the original script is garbage. <laughs> I would not say that the they original took, script... They took the good stuff out of it and added things that actually made it better. I, th- I think that, you know, they're both interesting, you know, and, and I mean, I think I said this on that or, or some other thing, but, you know, I think that it's... Uh, the, this is a better episode of Star Trek, whereas that would have been a better episode of like a standalone. Right. Yeah, you did say that. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 cool, and I mean, the reason why I picked this as as my final commentary choice was because it is considered to be like the best of the original series, you know. Yeah. And it, it seemed appropriate to talk about the best. And also, we'd already talked about most of the really big episodes, which I, you know. We already did a commentary on so. Arena. Exactly. And Trouble with Tribbles and everything. Mirror, mirror, right? Mm-hmm. So we hit all the big ones, as far as I'm concerned. So this was sort of like the last one. Maybe. I want to learn how to karate chop people like McCoy just did. He smacked Kyle twice, and Kyle's down. Yeah, he's good at that. Yeah, it's kind of like the Vulcan neck pinch when you think about it. Yeah, I'm glad that Crazy Bones still remembers how to calmly set the transporter. Yeah, and if you can set it automatically, why do you need anybody in the transporter room? I don't know. Maybe, Maybe you when you're beaming be people accurate. up, but down? I don't know. It's like uh, an elevator attendant, you know? Uh, just there for convenience. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure that it takes some skill. You know, like back in the day, the reason why they had them is because it wasn't just pushing a button. Like you had to like start it up. Oh, I didn't know And that. then like slow it down when you got to the floor. Like you had to like manually tell it where to start oh. and stop and then open up the thing and then people i guess just got used to it oh. <laughs> i'm glad that uh this planet has you know atmosphere mccoy mad bones like beaming himself down to you know a not class m planet would have been really bad yeah that would have been the end of the episode right there yeah it is kind of disappointing that there is no city. You just kind of get a close up of some uh ruins. Yep. There's no city on the edge of forever. So yeah. I've al- I'd always interpreted it that the New York was the city on the edge of forever. Well, yeah, that could be. Yeah. I am I'm I'm kind of bummed that remastered, you know, like they did for a muck time had you know the big pull away shots of of Vulcan and stuff mm-hmm. i I was kind of disappointed that they didn't insert any wide shots of a city that they beamed into the middle of a city, yeah, you'd think they'd pull out all the stops for this one. I think they got so excited about Vulcan that <laughs> well maybe the uh the editing was such that there there wasn't really a place to put them. Well, there was a shot of them beaming down that was in close-up that could have been a wide shot. Yeah. Like a city square kind of thing from far away, like they did with, uh, I don't remember what episode it was. One of the later episodes, they have a a wide shot of them beaming down Mm -hmm. instead of just the regular close-up. Oh, McCoy. Oh, there he is. Hop up, McCoy. (laughs) It's cute. I like that. Um, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. It's this, this is an episode which obviously, yes, it is very 
great. You know, I will acknowledge that. But I don't quite see why people consider it to be the best. Hmm. I mean, is it because of the love story? Because I don't buy the love story for a second. I don't understand why this is the woman that Kirk is in love with, you know? Because I can't think of any other time aside from, you know, like Carol Marcus or whatever, where he's, he like declared his love for a woman, right? Mm -hmm. But here he's like, I think I love her, Spock. And like literally, like they went for a walk and, you know, he listened to her preach about, you know, um, pacifism and, and stuff. And it's like, I mean, they look like they're good buddies. Like, I don't <laughs> deny that they could fall in love with each other, but, like, we do not see that happen. You know, right. the only reason why we see it or why we think it is because he says it. And I don't buy it. And I know that they only have 50 minutes to work with, but still, it it, it does not work for me. Hmm. I'll see if I can't help you out there with that. Because the timeline's all kind of fuzzy on this. Of how long they were in the past and stuff. Yeah. Seems like a couple weeks though, right? Right. Which is plenty of time. Sure, but we don't see it, you know? Yeah. We've got to get all this drama in. And I mean, you know, it, it's it's like, well, is it the, the love story? Okay, because there's better love stories elsewhere. I mean, Star Trek is not exactly a place where that, that that excels in in romance. You know what I mean? It's like let's watch before sunrise or Casablanca or something. You know, you know <laughs> what I mean? I mean, and, and in terms of like the sci-fi stuff, like this is all rather sketchy. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like I guess the 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 Guardian does say like we can show you your history. You know, so it's like, okay, well, that limits it to Earth. But then, you know, he's like, here, it's going really fast. And then the the time and place thing is weird, you know. And they try to explain it away with with Bone, or I'm sorry, with Spock saying, you know, like, well, you know, there's a theory that time is like an ocean and there's currents and, you know, all this stuff. And it's like, okay, fine. All right, whatever. <laughs> Why not just say like, "Hey, you can specify the place." You know, where where was it? You know, let's look at New York because that's a cool place. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> you know, I mean, it, I don't know. They could have simplified that. They could have made that better. And I mean, I understand that it needs to be going really fast in order for it to cycle through to the next, you know, wave so they can go through again. But the fact that Spock is like, "Okay, all right, all right, jump now." And it's like, no, you're you're going to be lucky if you land in the right century, you know, let alone like within two weeks or whatever of when he went through. That's that does not work for me. That's I mean, it's never worked for me. I mean, that's not me being like nitpicky after. I mean, maybe it is me being nitpicky, but it's something which has always bothered me. You know, I never bought that. So did you read the Crucible book series? No, um, I think. I forget who wrote them, unfortunately. Uh, but you know, it was a last big anniversary, forty, I think, and it was a trilogy of books talking about focusing on City on the Edge and how it affected each of the three main characters' lives. Hmm. Spock feeling guilt for having to have Kirk make that choice. Kirk feeling guilt for making the choice. But Bones's story is very interesting because it's about this timeline. This mm-hmm. timeline that we're in for just this couple of minutes, it it flashes back and forth between like McCoy having memories of, uh, the life that he lives. Like he, you know, hangs out with Edith Keeler and saves her from getting hit by the truck, and then he just like moves to Georgia and becomes a, becomes an old country doctor, just like you'd expect him to. And he's and just like trying to stay out of the way. And yeah, and he's just like, the Nazis are like taking over the world. This is not what's supposed to happen, but there's nothing I can do about it. And he doesn't know why. Right. Yeah. And he eventually puts it together that 
I mean, he doesn't understand that either Keeler should have died. He, like, he doesn't have the old articles like they do. But he's just like, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. That's not how that was supposed to go. But he does his best to, you know, save as many lives as he can using uh, bear skins and stone knives. Mm-hmm. It's pretty That's good. That's cool. It's pretty good. Yeah. So it's an interesting concept and everything like that. But I mean, here's the other part of it, which, you know, because we've talked about quintessential Star Trek before and everything, you know. Yeah. And it's like, even though this is considered to be the best, like, it's not the one that I would ever show people, show to people who who had never seen Star Trek. Exactly. You know? And I mean, like, you hear people say that a lot, like, well, sitting on the edge of forever because it's the best. And it's like, I totally understand what they're saying, you know, and I I can't disagree with wanting to show them the best. But at the same time, they're going to walk away from this still wondering what Star Trek is. Yeah. I have that same problem with Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everybody's like, oh, man, Blink. Everybody should watch Blink. Mm -hmm. One, Blink isn't very good. And two, the Doctor's not in it. So it's yeah. like, why would you introduce somebody to Doctor Who in an episode where there's no Doctor? Like, he's in, like, four scenes. It was his week off. Like, the actor's week off. And they were just like, let's film this episode. Yeah. Like, it's silly. And this this at least has the main characters in it. And it doesn't focus on, you know, random crewman number three. But it's still not, yeah. It's not what you should show somebody for their first episode. I mean, we're 14 minutes in, which means we've got 36 minutes left. And I think like the last one or two minutes are back in the 23rd century. But the bulk of this episode takes place in 1930, right? It's crazy. The back lot. Like I was thinking about this because I'm I'm like my 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 family and I like we I, I I showed them this year I showed them all the Marvel movies and we're finishing up the Star Wars movies right now and it's like well what's next and I'm thinking well Star Trek kind of makes sense and I thought you know be, being selective about it not showing them all of the Star Trek movies you know mm-hmm. but like showing them the 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 good ones and sort of doing what like what we were talking about with our take it or leave it thing yeah constructing a narrative which works without having to show them star trek 5 you know that sort of thing that's easy don't show them star trek 5 right i was going to show them like two three and four and six and then the jj movies leading up to beyond yeah but i thought well because two is like a sequel to space and all that stuff and it i i thought i would start by showing them two episodes of the original series uh, one definitely being space seed and the other one being something else and i'm like well do i go with sitting on the edge of forever or do i go with something else and you know the, what I, I think i'm going to end up doing is trouble with tribbles because even though you could get away with sitting on the edge of forever since you you've got space seed there and Trouble with Tribbles is weird in the same way that Sitting on the Edge of Forever is weird. Yes. I think that Trouble with Tribbles is the way to go. Because for one thing, I do think it is a better episode than this. But also, it's got the, the Klingons. And, you know, they they play, play a bit of a role in the movies, you know? Right. Even though it's a weird, uh, a weird portrayal of the Klingons. <laughs> What's wrong with your mouth? <laughs> Why can't you say Klingon anymore? Isn't that how they say it in Trouble with Tribbles? A couple people, I think. All right. I'm pretty sure that's the way the Klingons pronounce it, right? So that's (laughs) probably the correct pronunciation. It's probably humans who don't know how to pronounce it, right? Oh, I guess. Depends on how the Universal Translator works. Maybe it was Mm -hmm. broken this episode. Oh... Cock got owned. Look over there. <laughs> Pinch. 
yeah we've spent a lot of time with them not really doing anything they're kind of just they could have cut out most of that and just been like aha we're here aha close aha a mission i mean i guess you've got a it is a pretty heavy episode when you think about it right yeah i mean it's about like needing to sacrifice the woman you love so that nazis don't take over the world right which i mean is something we all go through but still <laughs> <laughs> um you know i mean it it is it is like heavy and deep and a lot to think about right okay so i think having these little moments of levity to start kind of help um balance things so you don't think the time could have been better spent with edith and kirk maybe it, i mean you're probably right about that you know but it is a balancing act for sure time is like a river not an ocean oh sorry <laughs> Uh, have you have you read the comics that they they did adapting Ellison's story? Yeah, no, yeah, I read them for something here on this network. Mm. I think it was literary tracks. Okay, I, I haven't I haven't read them yet. But. They're pretty, mm-hmm. but they're just an adaptation of the uh, the book we already read. Yeah, at, at the convention, uh, they had like the the artist was selling all of his original art from the episode. Yeah, he had it all all on display. Uh, it, it is very pretty. Maybe it's cold outside. <laughs> I wanted to read that. That was one thing that we were talking about doing on um. Trek stars for a while because I think our conversation about the Ellison thing was actually on an episode of Commentary Trek Stars, right? Right. That's what we read the book for. Oh, yeah, that's what we read the book for. And I think see Commentary episode, Trek Stars episode. I believe the I, I believe it's called the Citizen Kane of Star Trek is that episode. <laughs> Which do we have an episode of this called the Citizen Kane? Of Star yeah, Trek? our arena commentary. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> For the record, I think that this is the Citizen Kane of Star Trek. Yeah, but you said those words. I know, I know. I say say that a lot. Yeah, you do. Trying to convince Aaron to design a uh, Citizen Kane of Star Trek (laughs) t-shirt for the store. So if you want that, be sure to uh, bother him and and Chris about that. She's so pretty. She really does have a problem remembering what happened in this episode. Like whenever she's talking at conventions or something like that, she's done this multiple times where she's like, oh, I was playing this character and she was a Nazi sympathizer, right? (laughs) And it's like, no. And then, like, people would point it out to her, and she'd be like, oh, yeah, whatever, I don't remember, or something, I don't know. But then, like, next convention, she's like, yeah, this character, she was a Nazi sympathizer. And it's like, maybe, I mean, you know, I know you're not a Star Trek fan, but seeing as how you're getting paid a lot of money to come to these conventions, maybe next time before you go to the convention, just rewatch the episode, just so <laughs> kind of know what you're talking about. Yeah, I like how they act like she's going to like preach to them. Mm-hmm. Like a religious message, but you know, it's just all about hope and optimism and they're all like, "Oh god, hope, whatever." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what I was going to say was we, we 
because we did do uh or well on on commentary trek stars we were talking about doing as another series on ellison where we looked at there's this and then another one of his unproduced television episodes which was adapted into a comic book which was his two-parter that he wrote for the adam west batman series what he did a two he did a two-faced two-parter what and it it never got produced a harlan ellison batman yeah and he had published the screenplay like a a couple years ago in sort of like a collection of screenplays that he had written but then dc which I, I love that they did this. They went in and they took the script just like they did for City on the Edge of Forever. And uh, they adapted it, you know, in the style of the Adam West show because they've got that comic. Yeah. And uh, and so you can read Harlan Ellison's lost episode of, of Batman. Oh, that's pretty cool. So we were like, oh, we could do like a series on that where we look at City on the Edge of Forever and, and his Batman thing. But uh, we ran out of time. Oh. Yeah. So here we've got some kind of time jump ahead. Because she already knows that he's a good worker. Well, no, Or maybe it was she... just that today because she's asking about flops. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because she was like, go clean this thing. And he's like, okay. And then they cleaned it and came up for dinner. And then she's like, wow, you did a really good job. Okay. Yeah. He is he is suave. Yeah. He looks good in the flannel. Yeah. He, he'd, he'd fit in the 90s. We have a flop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the one thing that I really liked about the uh, one of the early Harlison Ellison drafts was that uh, they had to have the Universal Translator working in order to understand what the hell these people were talking about. Yeah, because you know, because Harlan understands that language changes (laughs) at over three hundred years. They're probably not speaking the English we know, but still, I think they'd be able to understand what they were saying. You know, well. I I guess you could understand if you went back to King James English time. Right. But it would be difficult. You'd rather have the translator. I love this scene because it is cliche for two reasons. It's got two elements which are totally cliche in terms of its, like, props. One is the... Piece of bread sticking out of the top of the bag. Yep. The bread sticking out of the top of the bag and the other... Is the uh, the the two metal pieces with the electrical <laughs> current running between them thing? It's like yes, we're building something. So we've got a, it's a classic science. film shortcut for groceries and a classic film shortcut for science. Yep. I found this piece of bread. We should eat it. That is a big salami that Kirk's holding. Yep. <laughs> Everybody hide. Put your hat back on. Why take your hat off? Oh, because it's hot in there. Not to mention the fact that he's... Well, no, I guess that doesn't make sense. You would think that he would be cold, if anything, because he's from Vulcan. Right? Oh, yeah, that's true. Good point. Like it's cold here. Womp, womp, womp. Stone Knives and Bearskins, Spock. Really? Spock has had enough of this crap. <laughs> okay, here's something which I don't understand. They're like, tools. Fine tools. And then it's like, okay, these guys seem to be working for her, yeah. right? Because they're her tools. So then we cut to Spock using his, I guess, I guess he can hear really well with his ears. Right. Who knew? And he's like, I'm going to, you know, uh, figure out the combination on this lock, right? And use these tools. And it's like, okay, we've established that Edith is pretty cool, right? 
And we've established that he's just working on his, you know, little thing. So why wouldn't they just be like, hey, Edith, is it cool if Spock uses your tools? Why is why did they break right. into the thing? And it's not like know? it's immediately resolved because it immediately cuts mm-hmm. to her being like, you stole my stuff. Yeah. And then he's like, you can trust us. Believe me. Believe me. And she's like, okay, yeah, I guess I can. And it's like, I'd be like, no, I don't trust you. Why didn't you just ask? You guys are weird. And she, like, swings a date out of it. <laughs> that That's something that feels like it's a holdover from another draft. Like, there was another bit which was missing. Yeah. And then they took that out, and this is what was left over. And it's like, well, no... That that could have gone through one more revision there, you know. Lots of suave Kirk just staring mm-hmm. at her. Lot. I mean, it could be the same shot. For goodness' sake, they just keep cutting to it. <laughs> There's a little grin. And then the occasional reaction shot from Spock. Spock is the Rodriguez dog in this uh, in this scene. I always love that. Like uh, I, Rod, Robert Rodriguez would talk about how, like, when he was making uh, El Mariachi mm-hmm. for like no money, and he he was worried that things wouldn't cut together, he would uh, always like shoot something random, like a dog sitting in a corner. <laughs> And then anytime he needed just something to bridge the gap between two other shots, he'd cut to the dog. <laughs> and then, like, they talked about it. Like, they, he would talk about it, and, and, like, from dusk till dawn, like, there was one scene where, like, he's doing, like, a close-up of George Clooney, who's, like, not involved in the scene. And Clooney's like, uh, just to be clear, I, I'm the dog in this scene, right? And Rodriguez is like, yep, you're the dog. He's <laughs> like, okay, cool. Spock was the dog in that scene. <laughs> Okay, so I can see what you're talking about now. With what? The fact that it hasn't been too awful long, because she's still trying to find them a job so they can pay for their rent. It's not even just the passage of time. It's the not seeing anything that would equate to, like, a. Re- I mean, yes, they're flirting. You could see, you know, maybe another date or something, but... Sorry, some audio issues. If our tracks are off, should see Spock messing with a tricorder. Mm-hmm. Edith Keeler killed. Yep. It's a really good picture of a random social worker. <laughs> I don't... I wish, like, think of all the knowledge that Spock has to be like, okay, if I build this thing and put this thing and plug this thing into this other thing, I could fix my tricorder. Yep. But yeah, we're still, we're still not very far into this relationship. You're, you're right. No, yeah, I mean, it is. It's the type of thing where there's just no. There, there. It's missing the scene where it makes that jump to like you know, oh, they're in love. You know, you see like the flirtatious stuff and the like. Oh, look at that. You know, like he admires her worldview, and <laughs> that kind of thing. But then there, there isn't like the scene where they're like, you know, we. You know, I mean, because because it goes from that to I think I love her to, oh, uh, we've got a hot date tomorrow night. We're gonna go see a movie. And it's like there needs to be like a scene in between, like like where that stock footage shot was. There needs to be a scene where they, you know, kiss or something like that, you know, where they yeah. realize that they have both fallen in love with each other. And we don't have that. And because of that, the romance does not work for me. Yeah. We get that with every other woman that Kirk's with, you know. 
True, true. Of course, Spock sees the obituary and Kirk didn't. Mm-hmm. Which which kind of not that Kirk would think that Spock lied to him, but it gives Kirk that, that doubt. Yeah. Right here, you know, Spock says like, oh, it's some sort of traffic accident. But then like later on, like he saves her from falling down the stairs and Spock's like, she could have died right there. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but that wouldn't have been a traffic accident, right? Right. Oh, there was a lot of traffic on these stairs and she tripped and fell. No. The uh, Kirk saying that there's, you know, both timelines can't be true is... uh, it reminds me of Terminator Genesis, which I'm in the middle of watching. I wasn't able to finish before we started <laughs> no. recording. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Terminator Genesis. That's a movie. It is a movie. I'm enjoying it. Unless it falls apart it's in the last 20 movie. minutes. Well, well, I won't spoil it for you, but... <laughs> It it's uh it's um is a decent movie, but I think it's definitely the worst of the Terminator movies. Oh goodness! I uh, what's it like to? I know be you, you have like this this like venomous hatred for like Terminator Salvation. I think Terminator Salvation is pretty badass, if you ask me. Okay, so yeah. it's edited like a film school student's fan edit. But yeah, that's fine. I don't see that. It's <laughs> okay. I mean, I definitely think that McGee watched Children of Men and was like, "This movie's the bomb." <laughs> but he's not wrong about that. You know, Children of Men is the bomb, right? But okay, it's been a while since I've seen Salvation. Huh? Watch it again. Nope. It's good. <laughs> Maybe someday. Uh, so I feel bad for this guy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this poor guy who isn't even, he's not even stealing liquor. He's stealing milk. And then he's just like, I need to lay yeah. off the sauce. You know, kind of like the uh, the cliche of seeing something ridiculous and pouring your liquor out, like in Moonraker, when James Bond comes mm-hmm. by on the gondola. And the guy's like, well, I'm never drinking again. I honestly have to say I do not remember that very specific moment from Moonraker. <laughs> Moon, I've been watching Moonraker a lot of is weird my Terminator movies Salvation, recently. I guess. Okay. I mean, yeah, weird is one one word for that. <laughs> Moonraker. Now there's a piece of crap. That it was a garbage film. I was surprised at how much of a garbage film it was. The book is actually really good. But they don't go into space in the book. The book's about like a suborbital torpedo or something. You know what I mean? It's like they call like the missile Moonraker because it goes so high that it touches the moon, you know? Oh, that makes more sense than five or six shuttles and a yeah. and a, and a cloaked space station Yeah, that can generate its own gravity and yeah. yeah. Anyway, McCoy's getting a little, like, feeling that guy's inseam there, figuring out that he's a biped. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's a very strange scene. Right, right yeah. up on the frame. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he thinks he's in a recreation. Mm-hmm. He's a crazy person. The the blotchy skin on McCoy works for me. Because he's like super pale with like these red weird red blotches. But it actually looks like, you know, that could be a condition. Like a rash of side effect of Yeah. Well, of I forget what, what it's called. called. The name of the drug. Yeah. I don't know. But I think the subtitles misspelled it. Early, way earlier in the episode. 
the Netflix subtitles at least. So this guy's like, oh man, I met this crazy guy. I'm going to steal his stuff. Oh, he's feeling his inseam too. Jeez. <laughs> it's the thing to do. I guess. And here, I mean, look at this. He's, it's, I, I feel bad for this guy because he just, he, he just wanted that cool phaser. He, well, he, he thinks it's he like a razor. It. Like them, one of them fancy electric razors. Yeah. Yeah, turn it up. And then point it at yourself. But how's he to know? You know, he's never yeah. heard of a ray gun before. And I like that the actual yeah, episode just is gone. just like, you know, well, did that affect time at all? But in the... uh in one of Harlan's scripts, he's like, the Guardians, they were like, well, what about that guy that McCoy got killed? That guy wasn't very important. F that guy. Like, that was... Well, but, like, the point, of that, I mean, and that was one of the things which Ellison has talked about. He's like, they lost that thing. That was really important because the idea was he was like a a World War One veteran who basically the world had forgotten, you know? Right. And it was supposed to be a commentary about how, like, society has neglected its, you know, veterans and stuff like that, and how, you know, this person who, you know, fought in, in the Great War, I think World yeah, War One was the Great War, right? I think that we would have like forgotten he, that as being the point of the episode. I mean... Maybe, but I mean, that's that's possible. You know, I mean, th that's the thing about it is like, I don't think that that was it was done very well in the script. But like, but if Harlan it was like Ellison, a random Twilight yeah. Zone episode where that was the moral of the story, sure. But yeah, that's not the moral of the story that he's writing. And I mean, I think that it's, you know, it was a good attempt on his part. I, don't, I just don't think it worked very well. But you know he's but you you listen to him talk about it in that book and he's like that character is like the best character in all of 20th century you know like literature or television or anything it's like that's what this whole world is about oh <laughs> bones just miss spock yeah too bad the Vulcans aren't telepaths or anything. Well, they are. Sometimes, depending on your point of view. Which episode yeah. it is. But we've got to have to have an alternate history lesson. Germany, fascism, Hitler. Yeah, we know. <laughs> It is a like the 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 time currents stuff. It is, you know, that's their excuse of why they found the same city and stuff. But it's really the uh, it's really also the like the moral of the story is that you know one pebbles ripples or you know you put a rock here and the you know you can. If the river's small enough, then you can like reroute the entire river. And, you know, Edith Keeler was that that rock in the river. Yes, yeah, she was. It's interesting, you know. I mean, that's definitely something which I think about a lot, you know, in like weird, sort of like obsessive compulsive ways, like. If I wait five minutes to leave the house, will I either cause or avoid getting in a car accident? Yeah. You know? No. Yeah. You can't think like that because you're always going to be second guessing yourself. But yeah, there is like. I know. You, I know. you know, could you have, have you, could you have stopped something or, or yeah, like had I, I wouldn't have blown my tire if I hadn't, you know, gone this route to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we uh <laughs> we we were we went to see this was a few years back, but my wife and I went to see Magic Mike. Um against her better judgment, I have to point <laughs> out. I'm the guy who dragged his wife to see Magic I'm Mike not instead surprised. of the other way around. And uh Soderbergh, man. And also by the way, go see Magic Mike cuz that movie is 
freaking awesome. Anyway, it's, um, it's so we were coming home. I've never heard it described that way, but I can see that. No, I saw a lot of similarities. It's, it's not, like it's, this is why Mike likes this movie. It's it's way too optimistic and feel good. That's why it's for I babies. Mean, like Magic Mike Double XL. Magic Mike Double XL is like the feel good movie of the year, you know, and like Boogie Nights is like not. Hey, this feels good. And then in the second half, it's like, oh, wait a minute. This is the worst thing ever. Yes, it was the worst thing ever. Anyway, but you watching Magic Mike. The experience, not the movie. So we were coming home. We were driving home. And, and, you know, normally we get off the expressway at Harlem. But we decided, no, let's get off at Austin. And, you know, that let's do that today. And we got off at Austin. And then we were stopped at a stoplight. And then while we were stopped at the stoplight, we got rear-ended. <laughs> and then now every time we go to that theater, you know, like, like I'll be like, okay. And my wife's like, don't, don't get off at Austin. <laughs> you know, remember what happened? We got rear-ended. Go to Harlem. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> it's that same establishing shot of New York City. Yep. All right, here we get your... Push her down the stairs, Kirk. Push her down the stairs. I don't know if there's a weird cut in there or what. Yeah, that was weird. It I mean, it's very convincing. Like, when you're watching it, it's very convincing. Like, you almost think, like... If Shatner messes up and doesn't catch her, she will die <laughs> in Joe real Collins life. died today filming an episode of Star Trek. Yes. And now there's Nazis everywhere. <laughs> I figure. Oh, no, there's not. Sorry. Not there's Nazis? My fault. My fault. I was Nazis? Not Nazis. <laughs> if I knew how to spell that, that would be the title of the episode. Nazis. <laughs> and I mean, here we're getting into like what the the big difference is between the finished version and Ellison's original yeah. script, which is Kirk lets her die, whereas in the original. Kirk's like, screw the timeline. Yeah. I'm in love. And, you know. This is so much better. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I... I this is so much better. What was that? You think this is so much better? I think this is better for Kirk. It's truer yes. to the character, you know. Is it? Is it better on the whole? I don't know. Hmm. You know, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's sort of, you know, a, a, a Rorschach test of, uh, of you know, for the viewer. Like, you know, what would you do? Right. You know? And I guess <laughs> if you take that test, you see that uh, Roddenberry, you see how Roddenberry would answer it and you see how Ellison would answer it. So in, in that sense, I mean, and it's kind of weird that this this episode, which <laughs> which is all about like, well, what would happen if she died, you know, is kind of, um, it has two sort of alternate versions too. Like what would happen, not, not what would happen if she would die, but what would happen if Kirk lets her die? What would happen if Kirk doesn't let her die? And, you know, you see, and, and we have, you know, in some form or another with the comics or whatever, two different realities and you can kind of choose your own adventure. Yeah. Here it is, the faithful night. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, but see, he knows what's going on. So why is he jaywalking, I, for one thing? He's in love. You he's know? not thinking about things. They're, like, literally walking in the I middle don't, of the I street I think right this now. was in the you days know? before there were actual, like, crosswalks. I 
I think that's Kirk accurate. almost got hit there. Oh, <laughs> yay! I guess he Best doesn't know how to friends. cross streets. Maybe they don't have streets. Yeah, even Spock is all excited. Do you see that? Spock's like, yeah. He's like shaking his hand. Like this is really good. And oh. uh-oh, uh-oh, they did an optical zoom. You know, you know that that shit's <laughs> getting real now. And now she's dead. Oh. Yeah. Poor Kirk. Oh, God. I do like this moment between the three of them, you know? Yeah. Where you've got Kirk silently acting and then Bones, like, lecturing him, like, you stopped me. Do you know what you just did? Yeah. And it's Spock who's like, he knows. It's just that I don't is, know, it's that a, really is a really good distillation like all, of, the, all three. of the three of them. Yeah. And they come back after changing their clothes. Right. Did they say how they were getting back? No. Do they ever establish no, that? No, the, the Ellison like, stuff talks about like, well, back. once you fix it, we'll put you back. So they, they don't say anything in right. here. They just literally, they're like, it's time to go home. And and this like guardian of forever, you know, um, campaigning for his own weekly television show. <laughs> I like that. We can have many such adventures. Let's do this all the time. The this would be fun. Forever. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. Let's do this every week. This would be awesome. <laughs> and Kirk's like, let's get the hell out of here. How God. about no? That show would suck. <laughs> Uh, written by Harlan Ellison. Yeah. And I like it ending on that shot, like just holding on that shot, you know, for the credits and everything. It's it's really effective. Yeah. I mean, the ending is, is badass, you know, especially, you know, they talk about how at the time, like, people didn't say hell on television. And he's like, let's get the hell out of here. And yeah. It's like, Whoa, Kirk, it's intense. Watch your language. Yeah. It's a good episode. Yeah, it is. Sure. Good choice. Is it the best? Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll find out next week. Yeah. Yeah. Find out next week. Well, it was fun talking about the city on the edge of forever, whether that was New York or wherever the Guardian was. That's just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about in Trek of him this week. So here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. <laughs> They just happen to come at just the right time. Right, or just, just the, wrong the right time. time for it to be dangerous. Like literally, like not even like that day, but like like two minutes before <laughs> this happens. Earl Grey. Well, it does all those cloak experiments. It deployed that communications array. Minefield. And the minefield for exploratory purposes. <laughs> Let's not talk about the Defiant because you know it's just going to upset me. The Ready Room. Here's one more thing I want to throw out here for you guys. Recasting this episode, because I know you guys like to do this on To the Journey with things, with mm-hmm. series and such. I think that Ma'ab should be played by Will Ferrell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To the Journey! Okay, I know Tristan's going to pick that one, and he's yeah. going to pick that one, so I'm going to pick this one. <laughs> yeah, this this one has a really nice Bolana moment, so I'm going to leave that one for Tristan. Right, like <laughs> of course you pick it every time, and I know I can rely on you. Commentary, Trek stars. Now I feel like I have to see The Wicker Man to get all of the jokes that are in this movie. Which one, the original or the remake? Why would I watch anything with Nicolas Cage? The 602 Club. I, I remember hearing Timothy Zahn, even back then, reading an article that he was listening to the John Williams uh, scores in his car as he was thinking all this through and, and making sure the pacing felt like it did with the music so maybe it had to do with the certain music he was listening to maybe he's mm. listening to a new hope score at that point i don't know literary treks i think we had between the three of us half a dozen or eight different springboards and they were written in such a way that they could have gone to either ship and crew it was like you know the sagittarius encounters 
big blob in space or Endeavor encounters derelict spacecraft. Or, I mean, I'm being real surface here. I mean, the, 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 the prompts we provided in the Bible were probably just a couple of sentences long, and it was just meant to say these are the kinds of stories we're thinking about. Women at Warp. So we went in and pitched, and I have to say that was one of the most terrifying experiences of my life. I have scrubbed in on brain surgery. It did not frighten me as much as go as waiting outside Gene Roddenberry's office getting ready to go in and pitch to him. Meta Trex. That would have just been a grand moment if, uh, you know, George Takei would have played Tuvix, you know, and, and when the transporter accident happens, he's standing there in those colorful clothes and just says, oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> and that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the Daily Trek Talk. You find them on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or you can just stream from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash podcast to get all the links. Well, if you'd like to contact us and share your thoughts on today's show, you can go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose send a show and choose standard orbit. That'll come to both of us by email. You can also use the tab in the left-hand column of any page to send us a voicemail using webcam's microphone. And you can talk to us and other listeners at our Facebook group, The Babel Conference. In social media, you'll find our Facebook page at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Mike, where can people find you out of orbit? You can find me right here on Trek FM doing commentary Trek stars. And you can also find me on commentary trackstars.com doing commentary track star babies, where we record audio commentaries for television episodes. So if you want to hear us talk about um, things that aren't Star Trek, uh, go over there <laughs> or things that are Star Trek. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at mumbles 3 k and you can find me on Twitter at 005, D-U-B-L-E-O-F-I-V-E, and on the Babel Conference and other places around the internet. Before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor, who helps bring Standard Orbit to you each week, and our sponsor for this show is Audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible's the premier source for audiobooks, more than 150,000 titles to choose from, and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive and Federation, Audible has something for everyone. Mike, what do you have for everyone? Well, I've got a book by Alan Dean Foster called Star Trek Into Darkness, the novelization. It's narrated by Alice Eve. It's eight hours and 55 minutes. And for those of you who are not familiar, here's the description. Pioneering director J.J. Abrams has delivered an explosive action thriller that takes Star Trek into darkness. When the crew of the Enterprise is called back home, they find an unstoppable force of terror from within their own organization has detonated the fleet and everything it stands for, leaving our world in a state of crisis. With a personal score to settle, Captain Kirk leads a manhunt to a war zone world to capture a one-man weapon of mass destruction. As our hero heroes are propelled into an epic chess game of life and death, love will be challenged, friendships will be torn apart, and sacrifices must be made for the only family Kirk has left, his crew. And uh, since you listen to Trek FM, you can get uh, this audiobook for free from Audible. That's right. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial just to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek FM. We'd also like to thank Richard Rutledge Jr. and Renee Roberts for being our associate producers this week by supporting us on Patreon. You can find Richard on Twitter at RUT8972 and Renee at MRES underscore 1701. Yeah, thanks, guys. And if you want to join them in keeping us in orbit, you can also support us on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash trek.fm, you can find a list of donation levels where you can get things like exclusive digital goodies, early access to episodes, access to our project manager, and even be listed as associate producer on our shows. You'll find out where the donations can go, things like covering the monthly cost of hosting and distribution, hiring an editor for our shows, and upgrading our equipment. Again, that's all on patreon.com slash trek.fm, so check it out. Next week, the actual penultimate episode of Standard Orbit and... For it, I believe that we are going to be doing a list. Yes, we are going to be doing our top 10 episodes of the original series of all time. Yep, the, original the, final, the final word on it. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landry. Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit ahead. Walk factor one. 
Hi, sir. 